Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. We pick up the story in the 50, pardon me, the 41st chapter of Genesis. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man who's obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. As predicted for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenah, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named him his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine, and sp famine sp spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe throughout the land. When his father Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we will die. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So things happen that come as a complete surprise. And in the human condition, 
governments, etc. I mean, we're just coming out of the whole COVID nightmare. Things happen, and, and we do the best we can to manage those things. And so it is with the Pharaoh in Egypt. And he doesn't even know that a, pharaoh, that a famine is coming. And he has this dream, and somehow this dream is so powerful that he has to find out what's going on. He calls all of his wise people around him, and they couldn't figure it out. And then they remembered Joseph in prison. And he came, and he explained this weird dream of, of grain and cows and fat cows and thin cows. And, and all of that was predicting a famine. And what's fascinating is that all of the world's power is concentrated in the Pharaoh. It was the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. And to get some wisdom, they go to a young man, he's 30 years old, a young man of God, who speaks not, to a, not to a political situation, but speaks because the Lord God had given him words to speak. I spoke with my brother this week. He's a Presbyterian minister out in California. And um, <clears throat> he was telling me how he went to a Presbytery meeting and the, the PCUSA has kind of gone woke. They've, they've gone social justice. And so Noel's at this Presbytery meeting and, and one of the ministers was up there and for 20 minutes, this minister went on a rant against Donald Trump, on and on and on and on. Now this, is, this is church stuff. This is a church meeting. This is a gathering of pastors and elders from the geographical area. And so afterwards, Noel got up. And he said, you know, from this address, I am reminded by the number of times that Jesus went on rants against the Caesar of Rome, which was never. The one time Jesus addresses the Caesar of Rome is when he says, render to Caesar. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. The church is not about the politics. But somehow, some way, sometimes the church is given a vision. God's children are given a vision, a dream, if you will, that can both at the same time disrupt and provide a saving grace to those who are in power. And so this dream comes to Joseph, and Joseph shares the dream with the Pharaoh of Egypt, and all of Egypt is saved, as well as many nations around Egypt at that time. And then remember the other Joseph. He had a dream that he was to take his newborn son off to Egypt. And that dream disrupts Herod's plans at, at destroying the, the newborn Messiah. And then when Jesus is on trial, Pilate's wife has a dream and basically tells her husband, this man is innocent, let him go. So the dream is a disruptive reality. It's a disruptive dream. John Newton had a vision he was on a ship, a slave trading ship, and he had a vision during a storm that somehow 
God was there, that God was real. He had this overwhelming impression that God was powerfully real. And coming off of that vision, he began to extract himself from the whole slave trade business and came to a point where he recognized his brokenness and the horrific sin of his life. And he wrote that iconic song known all over the world, Amazing Grace. That saved a wretch like me. So the vision disrupts. It disrupted ultimately the entire slave trade, all of slavery, all of segregation. The vision of John Newton and others disrupted and brought newness. Martin Luther King had a dream. It would not be the color of skin that mattered, but the content of character. And predictably, that dream is being dismissed by so many, as if it's all about now color of skin, rather than the content of character. So this, this vision was given to Joseph, and maybe he had to go through that hard 14 years or 13 years of imprisonment, that hard time of just being alone with God, to be in a place where he would get, acquire the maturity, the humility, to hear the word of God when it came to him. His initial dream was expressed to his brothers that there's going to be a day when you guys are all going to bow down to me. That got him sold into slavery, understandably. And now he, he came to understand that when God spoke to him, when, when he had a, a strong, powerful sense of the Lord's presence with him and the Lord's word to him, it was not for his own sake, but for the sake of God's saving work. And maybe it was that 13 years that it took for him to get to that point where he understood as, as A.W. Tozer put it, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And maybe some of those times when we have been most deeply hurt, when we have to go into that, that deep place of pain, maybe it's then that God does his most redemptive work. I mean, there are so many stories of people hitting bottom, getting to that place where they have no resources left, and then God speaks to them. The Lord lifts them up. God gives his amazing grace. This is a transformation that not only is that which Joseph went through, but one that becomes a, a metaphor for all of our lives, for each of us. The Lord, when the Lord wants to do something great, he takes a great person and breaks them. And then God's redemptive work can follow. But Joseph, Joseph was bereft of any kind of position at all. He was just a guy in prison. He had no position. He didn't even seek position. You know, there's a, 
big difference between positional power and personal power. Joseph had personal power. And he was a man of power despite his position. He didn't need to be made number two in Egypt. When Pharaoh put the ring on his hand and, and the robe over him, he probably looked at it and kind of giggled to himself. What am I doing in these, these silly things? He may have had a much better sense that, that who he was had nothing to do with his position or his possessions. And, and so in that place of, of self-awareness, he was able to continue to, to function in a way that reflected his servant's heart. So the Pharaoh said, whenever, whenever, people, whenever he rides through, everyone is to bow down and all of that. And I just think that that never touched Joseph's heart. He had already been broken. He knew what it was to be in the depths of a prison. And all of that stuff meant nothing, nothing at all. I was walking in Baker Park just yesterday, or the day before yesterday, and I came upon one of those signs dedicated to somebody who had made one of the donations. Beautiful park if you haven't seen it. And by the way, Matt Craig, who's an architect working out of that building over there, donated all of his architecture for that park. Wonderful man. Christian man, his wife has a Christian ministry. Just a, it's a beautiful park, a great addition to our already beautiful community. But walking through there, I saw a sign that referenced Blair. And several years ago, I had the occasion to preside over the, the service of Dorothy Blair. And her name will pop up all over, the, all over Collier County. Wonderful woman and a very generous person. And during a service, I always have what I call remembrances. People get up and they share their thoughts. And I was just so struck that person after person, particularly family members, children and grandchildren, they talked about mom or grandma, and they talked about stuff on her refrigerator, pictures and poems. And yes, there was someone from one of those organizations who came up and talked about her great generosity and all that sort of thing, but the impactful stuff was things on a refrigerator. And I thought, this is a, an example to me of how we really live this life, how we, we live this life our best when we live our lives with the end in mind. When we have a sense of where we're going, what is our destiny, it was that that drove Joseph. He had a destiny that God had put before him. And how do we live our lives with the end in mind? And wouldn't we, no matter what positions we've held, wouldn't we love to have kids, grandkids, friends, family, etc., get up and talk about little tiny things that we didn't even remember we did, but that impacted them, that showed love to them, that, that, embedded the, that, it was, that were embedded in their hearts, that touched them, that moved them. 
Isn't that really what matters? As I've shared before, Naples is notorious for what I call career inflation. <laughs> that once people retire, they go from just a salesperson to middle management to upper management. Next thing you know, they're a vice president. And all after they've retired. It's an amazing thing how that happens. Position doesn't matter. It, it, isn't, it isn't relevant. It's like Jesus saying, just render unto Caesar. Who even knows who was Caesar when Jesus said that? What we do know is that the Roman Empire was a brutal empire. But Jesus didn't say, well, we need to start a march and do a social justice thing against Rome. And Joseph wasn't doing a social justice thing against Egypt, even though they had their slaves and all the people of God became slaves. Instead, it is the vision of God and a man or a woman with a sense of destiny that God has put that person here, put me here for a reason. And then God does his disrupting work. And that disrupting work is for the saving of people, for the providing water to the thirsty and food to the hungry and hope to the hopeless and presence to the lonely. The disrupting work of God drives us to that place where, you know, a, a house is a nice thing. So is a car. So is a new shirt. But we all know that that really doesn't matter. And we have to maintain some things that are iconic in our lives to remember that. So I've got two of those icons on right now. One is my shoes, <laughs> size 13, that um, I've had for almost 40 years. And Ellie was talking to me about last week because I, I filled the holes in my shoes with hot glue. I'm too cheap to resole them. <laughs> but my shoes, and this robe, which I received from mom and dad on the occasion of my graduation from, from seminary. As a reminder, what's important? What really matters? What is it that, that any of us really want to be known for? Because our stuff is quickly forgotten. That's why Jesus says, you know, it's going to rust or somebody will come in and steal it. Those aren't the things that sustain but our love for one another, our love for our families. I heard General Petraeus make a comment and I thought it was so good. So what matters is faith, family, and friends. After that, well, maybe church, somewhere in there. But that's up by faith. But it's also by family. It's also by friends. But what really matters, what is, what is it we really want to live for? What do we want to live with an end in mind? How do we want to be known? 
So the father and the brothers came, and there was a great reunion. They all hugged each other, and a great nation was born in Egypt. God's saving work through a dream. Will you join me in prayer? Thank you, O Lord, that in those times when we are deeply hurt, when we are broken, that is your occasion to come to us and do what you must in our hearts and lives. And thank you, Lord, that there's no point in our lives when you are done with us. And instead, you move us toward yourself, that our lives might be most fully lived. Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.